Welcome to Star Wars and TN. Now hit the intro. What well you have? You are now tuned in to a Star Wars show, so just sit back and let it flow. Clear your mind of what you know, and let the force be the course of where we go. As we take this journey far, far away, now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would be joining us. What's going on, Far Far Away family? How's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going great on your side of the galaxy. Nothing all that new out here on the rim. But today is the day we're going to talk a little bit about the book of Boba Fett. Me personally, I feel like it was missing something. It just didn't sit right with me. I think they went over the top with the action scenes and forgot that there was a story to tell. I know, I know, I'm the action guy, I love some action, but you can't forget about the story. But hit us up on the social media or on the email and let me know what your thoughts is. What did you really think of the show? But I think it's enough with all that. We got a story to get to. And there's no better time to do that than right now. So let's get to it. Salto had been as bad at covering his tracks as he was at kidnapping. While she and Sarah were locked in their confrontation, a Twilic had burst into the room, blasters drawn. Lucia turned just in time to get shot point blank in the stomach her weapon falling from her hand as she slumped to the floor. When Sarah tried to stop the Twilik from taking Salto, he had slammed the butt of his pistol against the side of her skull, knocking her aside, then yanking Salto out of bed and dragging the moaning prisoner away. Ignoring the hole in her gut, Lucia crawled after them. She saw the Twilik get halfway down the hall before he was shot in the back by another bounty hunter looking to claim the reward. And then she blacked out. Official reports put the number of bounty hunters to the hospital that day at somewhere between six and ten. Unlike Lucia, most of them had no qualms about killing innocent civilians or one another to claim their prize. By the time the bloodbath was over, Salto was dead, along with two other patients, one member of the hospital nursing staff, three security guards, and four bounty hunters. The only reason Lucia's name wasn't on the list of casualties was because of Sarah. The healer had dragged her back into the room and performed emergency surgery while the gun battle raged outside. She managed to save Lucia's life despite being freshly pistol whipped, and despite the fact that Lucia had stuck a gun in her face only minutes earlier. Lucia owed her life to the young healer, and from that day forward, she had vowed to keep Sarah safe, no matter where she went or what she did. It wasn't easy. Before marrying Garen, Sarah had moved around a lot. Never content to stay in the same place, she seemed to travel to a different world every few weeks. It was as if she was searching for something she could never find, or running from something she could never escape. At first, the healer had been reluctant to have someone constantly watching over her, but she couldn't stop Lucia from following her as she moved from planet to planet. Eventually, she came to appreciate the value of having a trained bodyguard on hand, Sarah was willing to go anywhere and try to help anybody, and the Outer Rim could be a violent and dangerous place. Over the years, however, Lucia had become more than just the princess's protector. She was her confidant and friend. And when Garen had proposed to Sarah, she accepted his offer only on the condition that Lucia still be allowed to serve at her side. The king hadn't liked it, but in the end, he had relented and made Lucia an official member of the Doan Royal Guard. But though she had sworn an oath to protect and serve the king and all his family, her true loyalty would always be to Sarah. That was why she was so nervous as they approached the throne room. 
Though she hadn't admitted anything to the princess, she had a pretty good idea of why the king wanted to see them. When they reached the entrance, Lucia was required to hand over her blaster. By custom, only the king's personal guard could possess weapons in his presence. Though she did so without comment or protest, she always felt uneasy when she didn't have a weapon within easy reach. She had accompanied the princess to enough audiences with the king to become accustomed to the magnificent blue and gold decorations of the throne room. But it looked different this morning, larger and more imposing. The typical crowd of retainers, servants, dignitaries, and honored guests were nowhere to be found. Except for Sarah's father-in-law and four of his personal guards, the room was empty. What was said in this meeting was not meant to go beyond these walls. If the yawning chasm of the strangely empty throne room bothered Sarah, she gave no outward sign as she approached the raised dais where the king was seated on his throne. Lucia followed a respectful three steps behind. Physically, the king resembled an older version of his dead son. Tall and broad-shouldered, with strong features, golden shoulder-length hair, and a closely trimmed beard that was slightly darker in color. But while Lucia had come to know Garen during his marriage to Sarah, she knew little of his father's personality. She only saw him from a distance at official functions, and in these settings, he had always been formal and reserved. At the foot of the blue-carpeted stairs, Sarah stopped and dropped to one knee, bowing her head. Lucia remained standing at attention behind her. You sent for me, your majesty. The terrorists who orchestrated the attack on my son's airspeeder were killed last night. Are you certain? She asked, looking up at the king seated in his throne above her. A security patrol responding to an anonymous tip found their bodies this morning in an old cave they were using for their headquarters. This is glorious news, Sarah exclaimed her face lighting up as she rose to her feet. She took a half-step toward the throne, perhaps to embrace the king, but her father-in-law stayed in his seat, unmoving. Puzzled, Sarah pulled back as his guards glared at her with suspicion. Seeing the king's reaction toward the princess, Lucia felt her stomach twist into a knot. She hoped none of the others could sense her anxiety. Is there something you're not telling me, sire? The princess asked. Is something wrong? Are they sure it was Galva? They've positively identified her body. Two of her bodyguards and three of her top lieutenants were also killed, along with a Syrian named Med Dandar. A Syrian? He was a Jedi. Sarah shook her head, unable to make sense of the information. What was a Jedi doing on Dune? A member of the Council contacted me and asked that I allow one of their people to make contact with the rebels. The king informed her. I agreed to their request. The princess blinked in surprise. Still standing rigidly at attention, Lucia gave no outward reaction, though she was just as stunned as her mistress. We've always tried to keep the Jedi and the Senate out of our business undone, Sarah protested. The politics of our world are under attack, the king explained. Support for the rebels is building within the galactic community. We need allies if we want to preserve the Dawn way of life. Working with the Jedi will make them and the Senate less willing to take action against us. What did he come here for? Sarah demanded, her voice cold. The king scowled. Lucia realized he didn't like being interrogated in his own throne room. But possibly out of respect for his lost son, 
he didn't take the princess to task. The Jedi had news that the rebels may have uncovered a cache of ancient talismans, objects imbued with the power of the dark side. The Syrian was sent to investigate these claims and, if true, bring the talismans back to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, where they could do no harm. Okay, we start right where we left off yesterday. Ochi is not willing to shoot Sarah because she's innocent, but there are others coming to collect on this bounty, and they are willing to shoot everyone to get their credits. This is when Lochia gets shot in the stomach. Then after a lot of people get killed, like 10 or more people died that day, and the only reason Lochia is not one of those people is because Sarah had chose to save her. So now Lochia has sworn to protect Sarah from this point forward. Then it switches back to Sarah going to see the king, where she finds out the miners that killed her husband had been killed. But when she shows excitement and tries to hug the king, the king gives her the cold shoulder. Then he explains the situation. When she asks why a Jedi was there, the king explains to Sarah why the Jedi was on Dome, to find some objects that might be infused with the dark side. Plus the Republic was hearing some bad things about Dome, and the king is trying to keep everyone out of their business. But unfortunately, that seems to be harder than he thought. So the king thought, let's bring a Jedi in to mediate. This would make a good impression on the Republic. And I think this is the perfect time to end this episode. So join us Monday for part 11 of this amazing story. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars in 10. Tune in next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on all major podcast directories. If you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening and may the force be with you. Star Wars in 10 was created by Kenai Shed and is distributed by Swaycast Network. This show was produced by Pigfield Media, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Leslie Schneider. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.